Kick them all around, yeah. Hey, happy Friday, everybody. This is Down and Dirty. I'm your host, Mario Nunez, seated alongside my broadcast partner today. Well, John Dingfelder's not here. Jason, what are we going to do? I, I I am not sure. I, I, honestly, I just... I, I'm so out of love. I feel lost without you, John. Well, well this is. A three- I know you were right. This is the three-legged stool without one of its legs. What are we going to do? And we don't have our phone answer either. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I right. I feel so lost. Half of our staff is not here. That being the case, we are going to soldier on because that's what we do here yeah, at WMNF. We're professionals. You're listening to Down we're, and Dirty. We're amateur professionals. So let's get it done, Jason. Let's get it done. And and listen, uh, John and Lynn, we know you're out there listening to us. So call in and tell us how we're doing. We miss you. We miss you in studio for sure. Uh, today, we have two guests in studio that are going to be joining us in just a couple of minutes. Tony Greer, Joe Tomano. For those of you who don't know those names, lean in. We're going to be talking a little bit of USF Sundome history today <laughs> and all things that that entails, as well as what's around the next corner for the University of South Florida as their campus begins and continues to grow, I should say, and their athletic program continues to flourish We've got some experts in studio and some guys that, that actually lived it were there at the earliest of days. So let's start off with a couple of quick announcements uh, right, out of the t- right out of the gate. Let me just ring a bell and say happy 40th birthday to Dr. Alejandro Nunez. That would be my oldest, my oldest child. Alex, happy birthday, good man. I know 40 doesn't seem like a big deal, but you know what? It kind of is. It kind of is. And just know this, your pops is about to be Medicare eligible, and I'm, I'm actually closer to 80 than I am to 40. I don't know what to make of any of that. But I can tell you that um, you're living your best life, and we're proud of you and your mom and, and your brother and the whole family. Uh, you've turned out to be quite an excellent human being. So congratulations, Papa, and happy birthday. Also, the good and the bad, the yin and the yang, yesterday we eulogized and said goodbye to one of Tampa's Long time, he's a tampeño of, of heft and, and really a quality tampeño, born in 1936, lived his entire life here. Julio Giovinco, we lost him recently, and um, boy, nobody worked harder for his community. He uh, was in the West Tampa Optimist mm-hmm. for the better part of 60-plus years, all of his adult life. I don't think West Tampa would have had uh, half the funding that they had. West Tampa Little League, I should say, would have had half the funding had it not been for... Julio's efforts to continue to raise money for the boys there. Uh, West Tampa Optimists always had a team on the field. And, of course, he was a Jefferson High School alum, 1953, class of 53. And, you know, once a dragon, always a dragon. So, Julio, we're going to miss you, but we're, gonna, we're going to keep your memory vibrant and alive. And we promise to continue to do public service in the spirit in which you led by example. So thank you for, for and, and of course, I grew up just two doors down from him. So it's, it's a very personal uh, kind of a loss. Uh, he was uh, stalwart in the community and on our block. Let's put it that way. So, Julia, we're going to miss you. Hey, Jace, how was your week? I mean, busy, 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 man. Here we I are. don't know. I it's don't know where it starts again. and stops anymore. Is it? Are you? Are we yeah. sure? We're stuck in this centrifuge, man. It just keeps going around and around, and then it spits us out on Friday, and here we are. To quote Matthew McConaughey, time is a flat circle. It's beautiful. All right, all right, all, all right, right, all right. Be better <laughs> if you did. <laughs> we love us some Matthew McConaughey. But um, so you you had a good week? Yeah, very much so. Very, very much. Albeit so. very busy. Yeah. 
I don't know. I know nothing else. We do. We do this little segment at the top of the show, and usually it's we go round robin, and there's three of us involved in this. But since it's only two, we'll go back and forth today. Um, three things that kind of get under our skin, stick in our craw. I'm gonna let you go first, Jace. We call it three things, right? We, in case you missed it, we call it three things. And what's one thing that this week has just really stuck with you? So I'll tell you, I'm uh, I'm mildly upset at what's going on at the county commission. And I've been seeing, uh, you know, Commissioner Owen has been pushing forth this motion to try to get uh, the redistricting of our county commission, which we just literally redistricted last year, to redistrict it again to nine single-member districts. More government, less democratic. We're talking about instead of having... Four county commissioners you get to vote for, now you only have one. And we're going to be spending a couple hundred thousand to bring on two more county commissions. It's a terrible idea from top to bottom. We can talk about expanding the commission, but we should be talking about five district, four county wide, not nine district. It's madness. I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and talk about our, our governor, who is uh, right now you know, touring the country trying to promote his presidential campaign. And he's always on my list. For those that have been listening to the show for a hot minute, <laughs> he is always and will continue to be on my list. And I don't have to make anything up. He's just that kind of guy. You know, he's doubling down on, uh, you know. When, so when you're in a hole, Jace, and you're, and you're getting deeper and deeper into the hole, what's, what's I mean, everybody will say, just stop digging, man. Just stop digging. Put the shovel down. Well, this cat, he don't know anything about that. So now he wants to, what, bring on RFK if he's, he's elected president of the United States to, what, head up the Department of, what, Health and Rehabilitative Services? I don't know what his issue is other than somebody needs to get in his ear and tell him, hey, they need you back home, right? They need you back in your state of Florida. The world's on fire, and you're not even anywhere connected to the story. So, Governor DeSantis, if you're listening, and if not, I hope somebody else will get this message to him. Stop already. It's pretty ridiculous. You've got no shot. I, I think we have the official sound effect of his campaign. <laughs> Did a, you hear that? A little bit of a womp womp womp. Meatball. Okay, what you got? So, uh, second thing. We got some big problems with the county commission that I want to continue to harp <laughs> on, and that's Commissioner Wostel. Uh, this guy has been in office now almost a year, and he's decided to pick a fight with everything affordable housing. In the middle of a housing crisis, he indicated he wanted to cut $10 million budgeted for affordable housing. And I just, I, I fundamentally don't understand. We have a legitimate housing crisis. Uh, you know, the price of a studio apartment is your firstborn child. And we have folks out here who are actively trying to make it harder for these folks to find a place to live. It's like, like who raised you, man? Like, stop digging. Stop digging. Truly. So second on my list is term limits for our elected officials, especially those that are already of a certain age. I don't want to mention names, but I guess I will, because that's what we do here. Spill the tea. We, we, it's we, down and dirty. It's down and dirty. If you're not getting down and you're not getting dirty, you don't need to be in this studio. So Mitch McConnell, are you listening? Diane Feinstein. Diane Feinstein, are you listening? What happened to Mitch the other day? He's in the middle of a, a, a presser. I think he was having a depends <clears throat> moment. No, that was definitely a TIA, trans-ischemic attack. And if anybody has <laughs> never seen one of those, you know, you go offline for a couple of seconds. You're staring into the abyss. And it was uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. And then, of course, Diane Feinstein did the same thing. So, you know, these are our elected leaders. We get it. But there, have, there has to be a time, and I go for the Supreme Court as well, when, you know, your effectiveness starts to diminish. Athletes know this, and we're going to talk to an athlete here in just a few minutes. They know this. Tom Brady, he knew this. He knew when, you yeah, know. Yeah, did he? Yeah, he kind of <laughs> did. He hung in for a little bit there. Maybe too long. I don't know. But we'll ring a bell on Tom Brady, and he's, he's living his best life. <laughs> Number three. So uh, the witch hunt found more witches. Who would have possibly suspected that? Because uh, witches get stitches, or I don't know what that. Uh, just like the idea that snitches. this guy's out here telling people to delete 
security camera footage by giving him the shh emoji. I mean, like, it's, it's precious. These guys, they're the worst criminal conspirators in the history of criminal conspiracy. It's Inspector remarkable. Clouseau would have a field days with these guys. I mean, okay, Peter Sellers? Mr. Magoo could discover. Like, it's really, like, it's not <laughs> hard. George. Delete the security camera footage. Shh. Like, okay, buddy. Like, you know, great job. Third on my list, the world. I got it over here. It's, the world is on fire. It's on fire. And, and we're still kowtowing. We're still making nice with the fossil fuel industry. And here's where I'm going to say... President Biden, you, 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 need to, you need to be a little more forthright. I get it. That's a hell of a lobby. I get it. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to, the Supreme Court just afforded us, uh, you know, the opportunity. Now they're going to put the pipeline down. You know, there's so many, what could go wrong, right? What could possibly, <laughs> what could possibly go, go wrong? So, so here's what, we all have to be responsible for ourselves, I guess. This is what Katie barred the door. Man, you're on your own. You know what I mean? This is what they're telling us. If the world's on fire, good luck. Best, and, and if I was a young person starting out now in my 20s and I'm, you know, young family, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's a good choice to be bringing children into this mess. I just remember when government used to ask us to sacrifice in order to make things better. Now it's like, just consume as much as you want. Everything's great. Don't, don't worry about the fact that it's so hot out you can't go outside. You know, just- the, the air isn't fit to breathe. I mean, the smoke that's coming from up north in Canada with, you know, the wildfire. I mean, the world is literally on fire. on fire. So what does that portend for this winter? I don't know. It is, is it, are we wobbling? Are we wobbling in that in that weirdness of? It's the day after tomorrow. It's going to topple. Yeah, it's going to topple. It's going to topple. At one point, it's going to be upside down world, and Chicago is going to have no more winners. So, that said, moving on. We're glad that you're out there. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Down and Dirty with Mario Nunez today. The part of John Dingfelder is being played by Jason Marlowe on WMNF 88.5 or streaming worldwide at WMNF.org. If you'd like to get in on the conversation today, we certainly would love to hear from you. And we do have a caller that's been waiting for about 12 minutes. As soon as we went on the air, he jumped on with us, and we're going to get to you in just a couple of minutes. Hang in there, caller. We see you. You can call us at 813-239-9663. You can email us, DJ at wmnf.org and of course you can text us because we're too busy to send an email or make a call at 813-433-0885 and now got some music there for yeah, you, Mr. Oh, music oh, man right, here we go yeah Um, and, hey, listen, I mean, if that doesn't kind of put a smile on your face, we're all bopping in the studio. Joining us today in studio to talk about the University of South Florida, the Sun Dome, and where do we go? Where have we been? Where are we at? And where are we going is Mr. Tony Greer. Tony? Good morning. Tony, so happy to have you here, brother. Love to be here. Oh, man. Know. And Joe Tomeno? Hey, good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, Joe. Make sure that you're nice and close to that microphone so we can hear you real okay, good. Okay, sir. There he is. There we go. So, Tony, by virtue of introduction, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the mic. Give us that elevator pitch. Who's Tony Greer? Why should we care? 
Well, Mario, you know, the history, of course, is tied to USF for me, basketball, being a student athlete at USF. And, you know, I guess I'm proud to say that I was a part of some of the growth curves that uh, the university experienced in the early days. The Sundome was very, very important to the university as a whole. And today we'll talk about that. Uh, there were some political aspects, as you've mentioned earlier in the show, 100%. that uh, actually uh, find their way into a basketball team. <laughs> so uh, Obstacles are stuff. always being placed in our way, right? We have to sometimes overcome. And this is Joe Tomano, who if you say it real fast, it almost sounds like Joe Tomato, but we know better. Our Sicilian friend, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Northeast, Hackettstown, New Jersey. Ooh, there, just there west go. of Morristown. Yep. My boy sitting right over here, boy. He's a Morristown guy. New Jersey's in the house. Hey, they were the elite down the street. We were the working know, class. Miners, there you go. <laughs> People like that. <laughs> and Joe, when did you come to Tampa? When did you get here? I got here. I had one year of college. I got into college, by the way. That's a whole other story. It's an amazing uh, that I did. But anyway, I did. Got into Penn State, kind of all things. Nitty so I did a year up there. My parents moved to Florida. I came down here in December, no, January of 61. Very good. To visit them. I never went back. <laughs> Why would you? 61, I, Tampa was still a sleepy little town. I mean, the, you know, the roadways were not congested. You could get, you know, out of the city limits in no time at all. And it right. was really a nice, nice place to well, my, to be at that time. Oh, yeah. Well, my first impressions, stepping off that Super Connie, mm -hmm. big four-engine job, mm -hmm. was, I swear, I swear to God, this smell of perfume. I thought, it was, well, they got perfume factories here? No. They're orange blossoms, mm -hmm. which you no longer have. I mean, that was... Temple a, Terrace. Plus, plus, that's right. Plus sunshine. Those two things, I went, wow, never forget it. We got plenty of sunshine. We have too much sunshine. Now decided, we do, yeah, unfortunately. That's it, I'm staying here. The Sunshine State, where we received our moniker, and of course, Citrus, we talked about it last week with yeah. uh, Commissioner Nikki Freed. Citrus right. has been, uh, you know, first for a lot of years. I mean, I can remember also driving through Sarasota with the Tropicana plant, and I mean, it's like the strawberry fields during February when you drive through East County. So right. yeah, well, welcome, man. We're glad that you, and you stayed. Of course yeah. you stayed. Oh yeah, I did. And I ended up uh, completing school here at University of Tampa. Went Go Spartans. Peace, <laughs> went in the Peace Corps with my wife. I know. A couple of years in Chile and came back and got with USF. You pick up any Spanish while you were in Chile? Oh yeah. Good. Se habla español. Como no. Como no. Presidente. <laughs> back to Mr. Greer. Tony. Give give those people that are listening uh, the quick and dirty on the on the history of the Sun Dome, and then we'll we'll dig deeper. But tell us how that whole thing came about. And you were you were in uniform at that time? Absolutely. The university was looking to identify with a higher step in terms of progress. And uh, the University of Florida and Gainesville, Florida State, all had their little things they were doing, had more tradition, I guess, than USF. But one of the, the, the gut calls was to convince uh, the university that a on-campus arena uh, would be something that would be worthwhile. Go after it. Now, of course, USF was young, a program that just started in 1970. And so uh, by the end of the 70s, uh, they were under construction with an on-campus facility to house their basketball program. Tell us a little bit about what it must have been like to not have had a home floor. Because, you know, anybody that knows a little bit about basketball or sports in general, there's always that Quote, air, uh, air quotes, I'm using them now, folks. You can't see them. The home court or home field advantage. Shooters know all about it. 
when it's, you know, you, you know the optics in your arena. But when you don't have a home arena and you're constantly playing on the road, that's got to be difficult. That is true. We actually had home games on the road in the early days. There was an arena called Curtis Hickson Hall, downtown Tampa. Hey, let's ring a bell for Curtis Hickson. At St. Pete uh, Bayfront no Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played uh, numerous home games there. Uh, we, we bounced around. Uh, it, it, just, it was one of those things that if you are building an arena, you're going to recruit better. Players are going to want to play under those lights. And, uh, of course, USF did some nice things outside of that. They in, brought in a coach, Lee Rose. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And so everything came together. But, you know, there, politically there were some things, and I know Joe can talk about that, that uh, certain students didn't feel like the commitment should go towards athletics and others felt they should. So there was a big debate. Back I think in those that's days. an argument that, that probably still persists even today. And, and, you know, you didn't mention it, but it's got to be difficult as well, not just on the players and the coaches and the staff having these road games that turn into home games. But what about your fan base? They've got to be chasing you all over the place. You know, they can't sit in their favorite seat, their good luck seat. They've got to always be going wherever you're going. Lakeland Civic Center, I understand. Even you played some games at the Lakeland Civic Center. We did home games in Lakeland, and and we did have fans that traveled with us. Of course, the program was a lot smaller then. But the one thing that was good was that on Fowler Avenue, you saw that there was some construction going on. Mm. And, uh, you know, they broke ground in 1977. So that was before I even got to Tampa. But... You know, the whole recruiting process uh, went up a notch or two when when, uh, when ground was broken. Joe, talk to us a little bit about the importance of having that kind of forward thinking, and especially when it comes to arenas, uh, football fields, stadiums. It's super important for the community at large to bring everybody, to have that sense of cohesiveness, right? So, you know, school spirit. I mean, we oh, talk sure. about it. We call it affinity. Everybody wants to belong. And uh, it was my good fortune to become the first alumni director at USF which was a big joke. <laughs> alumni, what alumni? Yeah, there well, were <laughs> three, three alumni and, and a Brahma bull out there. We'll and talk gonna, about that Brahma in a minute. I'm going to try to be politically correct. I understand the... This is down and dirty, Joe. Yeah, I, you, it's right. okay, perfectly okay for well, you to 60s, be a little uncorrect. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I think we encourage incorrectness. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. We had, we had no representation except informal in Tallahassee. Uh, there were folks like Terrell Sessoms who were young there, Sam Gibbons and a few others, but there was no... Uh, so uh, we were getting pushed around pretty good by uh, some of the, the, the lobbyists that were really, really powerful. USF is still the new kid on the block. We're just about, what, 20 yeah, years old yeah. at that time? And I'll tell you, there was talk behind the scenes. We should make this the Hillsborough County uh, Junior College. This is not... We can't have a university here in Tampa. Look at Tampa. They got these brothels on the river, and they got this, they got that, blah, 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 blah. You know, come on. Small well, we, we were, and I'll tell you, our, our first president, John Allen, and um, this is straight up, you know, did an excellent job, stayed us out of the big political fights because we were, we'd have gotten clobbered in Tallahassee, really. You had to know how to navigate those waters, I So think. he was like... The motto was, and all the signs were, accent on learning. Mm-hmm. And that was our whole, everybody had the accent on learning. We're not here for athletics athletics, or anything like that. For Not even on-campus housing. No, no, no. We're not going to do any of that. And we know now how important that is to the, to the university's uh, sense of belonging. You said the affinity. Believe me, I know because I was on the front, I was on the firing line. Tomano, what are you doing? You're not getting us a stadium. You're not getting us this. You're not getting... Okay, well, guess what? 
you make the first gift. So we did get with the second president was Cecil Mackey. Mm -hmm. And Cecil Mackey was a very progressive guy, very smart and very tough. And and he he didn't let any of this, there was a lot of flack around, as Tony was saying. A lot of noise, right? And Cecil, I'd always, sometimes always be in the middle of that. I guess some alum that do a kangaroo court on him when he was in Tallahassee or down here in Tampa even. I am mean, call him out and with other presidents. <laughs> crazy. It was crazy. And I would say to the doctor, boy, I'm sorry about that, Cecil. I t- took it personally, you know. He'd say, Tony, you know, you need to grow up. It's just part of the business. Develop that tough skin. That's right. Tony, when did you, when did you meet, when did your paths cross with Joe? Well, the Sundome first year, 1980, around that time was when I met Joe. Uh, of course, coming in, the, the building, the construction was delayed. And, uh, you yes. know, that was an issue. And so uh, it should have Something with the concrete, it was not settling correctly. There were cracks. There was just... <laughs> Well, that sounds problematic. There, engineering there engineering was, obstacles. There were some lawsuits pending and some other things. And so that delayed things. And at the time, uh, Chip Connor was our coach. And Chip uh, you know, came in with Bill Gibson as his assistant. Bill was a great coach and was one of our, really, our first big-time coach, if you will. But anyway, uh, moving forward, Sundome Construction, here we are. We're looking at it. We're saying when it's going to open. And then they made the move to hire Lee Rose. Mm-hmm. And that changed things. And Lee Rose had been at Purdue, it was just in the Final Four, and he left Purdue to come to USF. And Which is a big move at that time. I mean, you know, USF is still fledgling, still trying to establish itself. He's just been in the Final Four at a university that's well-established, the Boilermakers of Purdue. So good on him. What did he find when he got here? Well, <laughs> the first meetings and all the things that went on, uh, he came in and did a 100% change, 360 degrees, because he had to. Uh, we had team meetings and things that we would do, but it was very nonchalantly. Uh, our very first meeting, he came in, we're all sitting there slouched in the chair, and he said, sit up, everybody, get up. I mean, he, he pretty much just ran people off. Here comes the structure. Yeah, here, here comes, comes the structure. Here it comes. And uh, we saw it coming and we wanted it. We were hungry. You know, and at the same time, the current staff had gone out knowing that the Sundome was going to be built. So they recruited effectively. They brought in players from the junior college circuit. Sure. Uh, you know, we had uh, three or four guys that came in that we had to win right away. That was the thinking. So you figure rather than have freshmen come in, right. you get guys who were seasoned who could play. A couple right years away. under their belt. Right, right. So they did some tricky things and really creative. And uh, we did some cr- recruiting uh, uh, scandalous type things, which maybe we can joke and talk about. But I think uh, the statute of limitations has expired. We can talk about it that. It wasn't illegal, but, uh, you know. It we was hit, edgy. It was edgy. We hit players out, you know, yeah, just because we wanted them. Of course. And we got them. And, uh, of course, the building eventually opened and uh, the rest is history. I can, I can tell you that even to this day, much like the Sulphur Springs Tower, um, when you're flying in to TIA and you're coming up from the south, it's one of the landmarks that, you know, I always used to press my nose to the window and look to see where the sun dome was because you can see it from up there and much like Tropicana Field. And then it kind of gives you your direction and, okay, where are we going? Where are we at? So, yeah, it, when it went up, it was a super proud moment for the community. It was a, Plus, it was a cool-looking building, right, with the special roof that looked the way it looked. Uh, those early days must have been uh, kind of frustrating for the athletes themselves on the floor. Because you knew you you had the talent, the skill level, just kind of organizationally speaking, and again with the support or non-support, as it were, from the from the president to the student body. You know, you weren't you weren't quite established. 
How long did it take you to get to that point? How long did you feel like, okay, we're winning a few games now. There's more people in the seats. This is feeling better and better. We dedicated the building against Duke. A uh, little trivia, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. It was his first road game as Duke head coach. How about that? And, uh, that's pretty heady. That's pretty heady right there. That's wild. I, I had met that. Coach when I was a kid. He coached me in, in summer leagues and stuff uh, when he was out. So he knew out. Tony Greer. Yeah. And, um, He's that guy. Anyway, so we dedicated. There were people who showed up in tuxedos. I mean, it was a first class. They had a VIP reception. Uh, it was classy. Only 6,000 seats, though, uh, because the building wasn't complete. But Lee Rose demanded that we open on time. Well, good for Lee Rose. Visionary, would you consider him to be? Yes. And, of course, you know where he came from. He, he knew exactly what needed to happen. The landscape had to be a certain way, first class. They didn't even want us to practice in the Sun Dome during construction. He said, well, wait a minute. Guys can't practice there? So there's a, there are days where we couldn't practice in the Sun Dome. So opening night, right? First night on the floor for you guys? Yeah, we had never. We, we actually opened up and played FAMU uh, November 29th, to be exact. And then, of course, several days later, we dedicated the building uh, against Duke. But no, we had not played in the arena. Joe, were you there that night? Oh, yeah. I was Give us your recollection. You. I was there. <laughs> well, uh, with that and also just a note on Bill Gibson. I was there when we hired Bill Gibson. And I mean, and I was already the alumni director. And I'm a rock and roll. We were doing a foreign tour, and I'm pushing Bill Gibson and this guy. He was a class act. I mean, he was a very prominent coach. Unfortunately, his doctor told him to quit basketball, man. You're going to have a heart attack. Well, then he did have a heart attack, and it killed him. Oh. Um, so, but we, were, we, we could taste it. You know, player, now constituent. <laughs> but... I was dealing with the constituency. Sure. The affinity group been building it. And guess what? That that building was a, was a um, like living a fuse. Our giving, which back then was the $100 club, you know, Century Club. Pretty modest huh? went, by today's yeah, standards. We had maybe 20, 30 members, and it jumped up to 1,000 members, close to 1,000 members over those first few games. In the, in the, just the, the, to have the rallying point for the students – uh, everybody else who's on the same page with us as alumni or friends and so on. And it, it went from there. Critically that important. That dream was out there. That dream was out there. Critically important, Joe. And, and you know, just for those that don't know, maybe they don't know, we weren't always the USF Bulls. No. The, the, the first... Right, so so that's what I was. That's what, what I'm going. So, so was like, what most people don't even know what a Brahma <laughs> bull is. What is a Brahma bull? But I will tell you this: kind of yeah. unique, right? Kind of unique. Yeah, but the, like unique in like the you named your kid Apple way, like not like not not, not unique in like you're all snowflakes kind of way. I don't know a white bull with a hump on his back. I think it's pretty sexy. If you're just joining us now, you're listening to Down and Dirty with Mario Nunez, and today sitting in for John Dingfelder, Jason Marlowe on WMNF eighty eight point five. If you want to get in on the conversation, please give us a call. We're going to you right now, caller. We're going to come at you right now, and the and that number to call us is eight one three two three nine nine six. Six three. We're talking with Tony Greer and Joe Tomano, and we're talking about USF history as it relates to basketball in particular. But we're going to shift gears in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to talk about where we are today a little bit, and then, of course, where we're going around the next corner because that's what everybody wants to know. Are we going to get this stadium built? Are, are we going to continue to see the USF Bulls have to compete 
uh, on Saturdays and tear up the field over there a little bit so that on Sundays when the Bucks play, you know, it's got to be hell when you, when you, you know, a, a, a field, I mean, the grass, literally the field of play is, is doing double duty and some cases triple duty because you know, high school high schools play on that field as well and boy I'd, I personally would love to see USF have their own stadium it could be intimate it doesn't have to be you know the horseshoe at Columbus it doesn't have to be something like they have well coliseums as 100,000 no but it could be intimate and and then they can dress it out the way it needs to be dressed out and and trick it out I think it's necessary let's see what our caller has to say about all of that Caller, you're on the air, and thank you so much for hanging in there with us, man. We see we see the clock running. Jeff, is that you? Yes, this is Jeff Neil Fox. You can hear me okay? We got you, buddy. Come on in. What you got to say? Oh, well, I tell you, um, uh, thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm getting goosebumps just hearing the voice of Tony Greer and Joe Tomano. Uh, Joe Tomano was the first person I met when I came to campus. I actually hitchhiked from the airport and walked down, uh, and Joe was the first one I met, and I missed him. And uh, my company, uh, Fox and Think Inc., was the publisher of the of the basketball program, so we did the inaugural basketball program. And one of my memories of the, gee, I don't know if I recognize Tony Greer now without his uh, face mask on. You know, he always used to wear a face mask out there. But one of my memories of the Sun Dome, I think uh, Jack Harris had a naming contest, was when you opened the door. Uh, all the uh, you had an airpiece, forget it. I mean, all the wind would come out. It was quite quite a different facility than it is now uh, since the the remake. But uh, it was a great time, and uh, the coaching staff and uh, and all the uh, the hoopla, uh, the golden Brahmins, rattle, rattle, rattle. Here come the cattle, and then they change it to the bull. So I'm pretty excited. Was it 50 years later or, or something, Tony? I mean, so. Um, it, and you know, Tony wrote the book, The Raging Bull. So there's, you know, there's a lot of history uh, around uh, the Sun Dome and the England Center now, and uh, I'm I'm proud to be part of it. And I'm looking for some better days to come around and fill up that stadium and uh, the football stadium, which is going to be on the lacrosse field. So I mean, I, I'm excited about USF. I don't know if you can tell my enthusiasm. You know, I, I graduated in 1975 and. We're not picking up on any of that, Jeff. We, your enthusiasm is. You, you need to calm it down, it down a little bit. Listen, yeah. I think Tony wants to talk to you. Jeff, Jeff Fox is is one of the genuine original supporters of USF's uh, athletics. Uh, as he mentioned, the program and him and his partner uh, uh, Harry Fink, uh, they did a great job. And, and Jeff has been a supporter of the program ever since. Uh, he mentioned some of the technical issues and things with the Sundome that win when you open, open the, the door. Yeah, you know, I'll never forget. We were playing Jacksonville. It was a live game, and it was on regional television. And it was a Sunday afternoon game. So the Sun Dome, they had these glares that would come in. Well, the face mask thing he's talking about is I broke my nose a week before that game. So I had to wear a mask, and it was a white mask. So uh, the glare from the lights from the Sun Dome impacted my ability to really be effective. So a fan called in at halftime actually called into the Sundome and said, from now on, paint the mask brown or put another color on it. Absorb that light reflection. Absorb the light reflection. Sure. Interesting thing. That's a true story. No, and of course, that's why the players will wear no glare underneath their eyes. The baseball players or the football players, too, when they're out in the... In the but that's it. That is fascinating, <laughs> Tony. I mean, what's a basketball player without his eyes? I don't know. He's not a, basket, <laughs> he's not a basketball player, is he, Jeff? No. It, 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 those are crazy days, and... Uh, 
the game's changed quite a bit now. Well, on behalf, listen, on behalf of uh, this USF, I'm not an alum. I took a few classes there before I started my, 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 my professional career, as it were, and hopefully I'll go back and, and finish. But uh, my two sons graduated, so they're Bulls. On behalf of the team here sitting around the table, thank you for all your years of dedicated service to the Bulls, and, and uh, we hope that maybe we can get a chance to, to sit with you at one of the games upcoming. Thanks for calling, Jeff. Okay, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to uh, an undefeated season one of these days. There you Thank go. You Stay tuned. We got lots more to talk about. Thank you. As as we're talking about, uh, you undefeated know, what seasons? Well, listen, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. I hope you ain't talking about the football team. Well, wait, wait. I mean, <laughs> you, what? When did you get here? Uh, I, it doesn't matter when I got here. Y'all were one and eleven last year. Hang on, hang on. Well, we had you our moment Howard. in the sun. We had our moment in the sun, sir. Tony, shall we talk about that a little bit? I, we, I think we, we touched, shall. And let me ask, for the listeners out there, let me just say to you, uh, and, and Jeff, you, you didn't touch on it, but I, I wanted to ask you this. Has Tony always had this voice, man? Because this voice is otherworldly. I think I have a pretty good radio voice. I ain't got nothing, man. Tony, tell us a little bit about that magical fall where we rose through the ranks, got all the way up to number two in the country, and if it's oh. not for a Monday night game against Rutgers... Well, we got, was it Monday or Thursday? Thursday. Thursday night. Thursday. That's right, Thursday night. Well, we got, I, I think, uh, shafted. Yeah. Is that the proper terminology? Talk, talk to us about that season. At that point, I honestly felt if we had won that night, we would have run the tables. We would have been national champions that year. Can you imagine? I really that- believe so. Because if you look at the schedule, there's about three more games left. We would have won all three of those games. That loss to Rutgers just devastated everybody because we were we were number two in the country, looking at number one. This town was on fire. The Talking town about was on fire. fire. Yeah. We pulled out all our USF shirts. Everything was a thumbs up. But uh, that's what happened. And, uh, Cheyenne, then he ended up coming to And then he ends up coming to be the Bucks coach. Yeah. What that's was that guys. all about? That's a New Jersey guy. He, he is a New talk. Jersey guy. Piscataway. He ran into Jim Levitt. They, right. they were going head to head. On the field, I, I that think, call, that one call was so bad that when we got back to the hotel, Doug Willard, our AD, literally made a call to the commissioner. Oh. Filed, filed. Were you there, Joe, in the I house? I was there. Oh, yeah. Oh. I was on the field. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he filed. We're sitting there. He says, I'm calling the commissioner right now. And he had his secretary file a charge against Rutgers that night. Yeah, it was ugly, and, I mean, and I don't think anybody slept in do. town that night. I don't think anybody in town slept that night. The anticipation of the game, number one, and then the, the absolute letdown. Um, but, boy, it sure was a lot of fun climbing that ladder, man. And week by week, we kept oh. picking them off. And you could feel the confidence growing in the team, and the team was playing better and better and better. Tony, remind me who the quarterback was back then. Remind Matt, me. Matt Grothy. Matt Grothy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Matt who you could see that. him week by week gaining in confidence and growing in his ability on the field. Yeah. That was a good a few team. Years, a few years later, we beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame had never lost a home opener. Ever. Ever. The Golden Domers? Like, yes. We put it on them? Like 200 years. Ring a they bell for that. Home. That's that's a bell ring in right fact, there. I go around. I got my Cristo ratio. Around here, <laughs> I switch shirts. But... I'm telling you, I see some of these uh, Notre Dame guys. I see a lot. Oh, that was all fake. That it wasn't fake. You fired your coach after that game. Yeah, that's how fake it was. On the field, when uh, you know my man there. Uh, it's it's not Kayvon Kayvon. Uh, I forget his last name, but anyway, he ran for a touchdown on an intercepted pass out of the end zone, 
He looked like a jackrabbit going down the field. So I got these two fellas sitting in studio with us today who know the history, right? They, you, you guys know oh, it well. Oh, man, we felt the history. Going forward, let's, let's talk about making new history now. Okay. And let everybody, let everybody listening know, what are the odds? Are we going to get that stadium? What are the obstacles? Sure. Can anybody kind of help out if there's, if there's alumni out there listening that they want to join the cause? What, what should we do? It's big money. Uh, the money is different, of course. It's a 40-year difference between the two. And, Joe, you can speak on this, but I wanted to say this before we segue there, is that Lee Rose, in terms of salary, made $40,000 as the head coach in 1980 for South Florida. Uh, now, again, that was, you know, that was then, now we are now. You know, guys make a million, two, three, four, five, ten, that million a year. But uh, it's amazing how the business of college athletics has changed to where you can change your life. Uh, nowadays, with NIL as a player, you can get paid. So things are different now. But yeah, it's the metamorphosis a of, the, of the business. Joe, speak to that. Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, <laughs> the University of Florida, mm -hmm. my good friends, the Gators, never had a comprehensive campaign. What we do at Florida is play football. So if you want to give, you give it to football. And this is like in the 60s. I'm telling you, I was up there. I knew it. I talked. Well, in the mid-80s, we ran the first comprehensive campaign. And this relates right to athletics and other things like it, like fraternities, like students living on the campus. All that goes together. All of a sudden, we had alumni out there who were young alumni, but were giving big dollars. Some of these guys are making some, some big bucks, and they were giving. And so... Uh, that was a big part of it. And the these victories we had with Jim Levitt, that's another hole. Jim Levitt, great coach. Yeah, I good man, too. Right good man. Good man, too. Good man. I knew him very well. And let us let us give much credit to the fast start in giving. Leroy Selman. Leroy Selman was our AD for R.I.P. And I guarantee you, uh, I worked with him. What an I ambassador think. for the, for the school and for the area and... Well, we miss him terribly too. We were we, he and I and and Jim too, but mostly uh, Leroy would go out. You know, we're on. We got our prospects, our top thirty or forty. We're going to see him lunch, and I was on a lot of those. I didn't have much of a function except to carry the suitcase. That's okay. Hey, you, you got and lunch guy, out of the deal. I swear, these guys would go like this and just give this to Leroy. We never asked for money. Just give this to Leroy. <laughs> this envelope. The least we got in that era of about four or five years was $500,000. Mercy. These are million dollar and up gifts. And that was pretty quick. This is in the mid 2000s, in the late 2000s, you know, and through up to nine, till Leroy passed in, I think, 2010 or 11. And Jim was uh, moved on, you know, earlier than that. So who's the big dog now? Who, who's, who's, who's the point? I'm walking the point on this uh, on this campaign. Is well, is it still you, Joe? You still got the chops? No, no. I, I help him. I'm a volunteer now. Okay, okay, well, okay. I was at 50 okay. years at USF. Good for you. I know, I, I know. I came in and said, you know, tomato, that's enough. And I said, <laughs> You've done I good, Joe. about that last Get night. Get up on the couch. You're, <laughs> no, I'm not getting on the couch. You die <laughs> quicker. But I... Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm still involved with USF athletics. Absolutely. Of course, and, Athletic director Michael Kelly has done a, done a fine Michael. job. He's uh, 
he's focused on the things of today. That's what will. I was thinking, yeah. And the landscape's different now with the transfer portal. And so now you have to look at different things. You just mentioned something. Please take a, take 30 seconds out a minute and describe, uh, explain what the transfer portal is for people that might not know. Well, now a player uh, who's on scholarship and committed on a yearly basis for four years can at the conclusion of any year choose to put his name into a portal, giving other schools a chance to kind of recruit them and or to choose them to come to their school without losing any eligibility. So it kind of keeps the coaches on their on their uh, their game. Right. Gives right. the players some power and some control. Some leverage, of sure. Their career in case things aren't going well. Correct. And so do they have to sit out a year when they go to this new school? Are there any rules of this ilk that they know oh. they can come right in and play? Portal says that you could start and play right away. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Look at where we are. There's, there's actually a phrase in college athletics that's called, uh, that's referred to as a transfer portal. How sci-fi is that, man? Yeah. It's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. When they transfer and then, yeah, you've got the NIL, which yes. is something different now. You know, name, image, and likeness. So a guy can come in and, you know. Well, for many years, the college athlete had zero to say about any of that. And there's an argument could be made that, you know, they, should, they could be compensated right now. Oh, I will make that argument. There you go. I'll make it. Make it. I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, like you talk about the kind of profit. I mean, the, the coach of USF, you know, you mentioned, what, $40,000 the coach was making? 1980. Uh, yeah, th this next coach uh, was Golsh, Goesh, or excuse me, who replaced Scott, who was hired and fired within three years, who was making $12.5 This guy is making two and a half. Uh, with plus eight hundred a month for a car, thirty five. Like, I mean, like it's crazy. And I mean, well, you know, if we're going to talk about the stadium, which I know we're going to get to, I mean, three hundred and forty million dollars. Is it? Uh, is it really the best way for USF to invest in its future when you literally have a professional football field? I mean, I know. Listen, the quality of the turf. Uh, take that aside. Just in all sincerity, three hundred and forty million dollars to build a football stadium for a team that went one and eleven. If they can raise it, if they can raise no, it, no, 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 so and the no, community no, doesn't the, have to. I'm going to take the other side of that because I, I just think that you got to have well, a the home board field. has approved it. So the uh, this is this is the this is from USF. The estimated cost for a new stadium is three hundred forty million. The approval by the board the authorizes the USF Financing Corp to issue a debt of two hundred million that the university will repay from several sources. So it's a two hundred million dollar loan, including operating revenues from the stadium and other revenues generated by USF Athletics. In the plan provided to the board, USF also identified the funding sources that will be used to support the other one hundred forty million on the project. Cash advances on future capital gifts. Okay, so $50 million we're betting on other people giving us that they haven't given us yet. So $250 million of money that doesn't exist. We'll just, get it. Just for the record. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's possible, but just consider for the record. It's a $340 million stadium. $250 million of that is literally money that they don't have. There we go. Tony? I think $140 million is the number that USF has to come up with yeah. yes. to get this party Some started. Some pretty wicked research there by yeah, the board. Huh? What's, he, is, what's he doing? It's correct. I mean, that's that's where we are. Good job, Jason. But, but again, sometimes you got to go with the feels of this thing. And what is that going to mean for the next 25 years? Are you ever going to be able to recruit the top athletes that you need to so that you don't go 1-11 for right. the next well, few years? Well, and therein lies the rub. So it's a 35,000-seat stadium. How are you going to get premier athletes if you're telling them, hey, come to Tampa to play in front of 35,000 people with no national television? Is there a room to expand that, Joe? You've got your finger up, and then we're going to go to the caller. Caller, yeah, we a, see you there. Hang in there. Dick Bowers and other ADs and I had big arguments, particularly Dick. Dick was a great, our first AD. Dick, you can't, don't. Forget it. Build a Sundome with 5,000 people to start with so we can fill it. No, no, no. We're big time. We're big time. So we're drawing 1,000, 
we're drawing 2,000, and half the place is empty or more. So I think, I don't know, I, I haven't been there, that this is a thinking. We're going to build yeah. small. We're gonna and and add on. But we're going to pack it because 30, that's about what we've been drawing at Raymond James, 35,000, 82,000 seat stadium. We want to oversell, you know. That, right, that, right, right, right. And it, 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 the people will come because they love the, the enthusiasm. Undersell, over deliver. In that stadium is going to be unbelievable. You are right. The average attendance of games at Raymond James Stadium for USF cycles around 28 to 32,000. Which makes so, it look kind of And the other sad. problem is in, in, in fundraising like this, you, and Judy Genshaf was a master, you have to have lead gifts. So in other words, if you're raising $100 million, you better have $50 million in the bank, ready to go, and then you announce your campaign. Lead gifts. Well, we didn't have them initially. We had a few guys... You know, some of our better donors are going to test the waters. So what do we do? We we are going to borrow the money. That that is a lead gift for that stadium. That whatever it was, two hundred fifty million. Yeah, that's that's your lead gift. So it's going to happen. We're going to have a thirty-five. Now I, I wonder about <laughs> the parking lot, the sewerage, all that other stuff. That's that's. The university's going to have to... Let the, en- let the engineers figure that out. Let's get a home field for our boys. Well, Tom- I will say there, there is some issue there, too, uh, to, to, to Joe's point. Uh, you know, they're going to build it on the Sycamore Fields, the area around there. I was actually talking with a DJ spaceship just earlier before y'all came in. Yeah. The area around there, they're going to have to find a places to bulldoze to build vertical lots to help put those people in. You because they, there's going to have to be kind of a refurbishment of the whole surrounding area if you're going to put the stadium there. It's it's more than just the infrastructure of the stadium. It's building the roads out. It's building the parking structures. Well, these things will be there for the next I 30, think, 40 I years, think. too. So that's, you know, it's an investment. I don't know this, but I, you know, I, I can see the discussion. Okay, you got a few people that are going to back that loan, but the university's got to cover all the stuff, all the non-sexy stuff, you know, to make this thing work. They've got to be vested, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a feeling that's how they flipped it, but I'm not sure. Tony? Well, we'd be remiss if we don't, we didn't mention George Steinbrenner uh, going back to the Sunday days. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, those are the people who came forward and really gave credibility and wrote big checks. And I know we have those individuals around the Tampa Bay market. But uh, it does require that. But George Steinbrenner was very, very, and if it wasn't for his giving and early pioneering, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. He, he took a lot of criticism. Uh, you know, King George did. But when it came down to it quietly, privately, he would cut the check. And, and uh, you know, that's why we, again, miss him and his ilk um, yeah. to this day. No doubt. The first thing that Mr. Steinbrenner did for us was for music. Going back to Mackey. So what are you having this concert in this, the old gym where you used to practice? This is a dungeon. Ah, Mr. Steinbrenner. He says, look, I will put on a benefit every year and make sure that we raise X amount in that benefit. If I have to buy, there's 500 tables, I'll buy 250. I will also bring Frank Sinatra, Liza Minnelli, uh, you name it, Jerry Lee Lewis for free. I'll get them here and I'll pay them. Where's That's that? What he did that. That was one of the smaller things he did for us. Where's that leadership today? Let's go That's, to our caller who's been waiting on here for a little bit as we come to the close of another amazing Down and Dirty this Friday. We're so 
it, it feels so good to have you two guys in here today talking about this because this is something that's not covered that often, right? No. I mean, those that are in that closed knit community, yeah, you get a chance. Those are, that, but that's a small circle. Right. And we've got, you know, we're seven county wide. These microphones, this is a big, big uh, voice box here. So we're glad that you're with us. Let me see who this caller is. Caller, you're on the air. Tell us your name and who are you? Hey, good morning. My name is Anthony Lovallo, and I am an old friend of Tony Greer's. Oh, and I heard God. he was on, and I'd like to say hi to Tony. There you go, Tony. And, uh, hey, Tony. Hey, Anthony. Tony, good, Tony. good to hear your voice. Anthony is actually from my hometown, oh, Port Chester. Chester. Oh, New wow. York. Well, let's go with Port. There you go. I'm yeah. ringing my bell now. <laughs> and Port he's Chester. a big USF fan. Actually, today, one of the biggest USF fans out there. Big supporter. Well, thank you, Anthony. Did you have a comment or a question for either of these two gentlemen, other than to say well, you're their like, close friends? Uh, Absolutely. Um, Joe's a very wise man, that's for sure. And uh, I'd like to say that uh, we need to build our brand more. We need to get more people from our area. I live here in Tampa, and we are not, uh, we're just not doing it for a crowd. When we say 29,000, that's, that's when we have a good game and everybody's following us. So we really need to get people into. Raymond James, you know, as far as the conversation goes. But uh, all I can say about Tony Greer is that Tony was a legend in our town. Tony was a great, great guy from a great, great family. I grew up in uh, the same neighborhood. We didn't have much, but Tony always had his basketball. And (laughs) always had his basketball. And uh, followed his career right straight down to here. So Tony had a couple mishaps, but if Tony didn't, Tony, I'm sure, would have been in the NBA today, and he would have represented the NBA as well as he represents our country right now. Tony's a great man. That's all I like to say about Tony Blair. There you go, Tony. That's wonderful. Thanks, wonderful man. for you to yeah. say that, Anthony, and, and poor Chester's in the house. Um, I'll take you offline, and we'll finish the show with you listening. But listen, thank you so much for calling. We're grateful uh, for the comments, and, um, and have a great weekend. Thank you, Tony. Thanks. How about that, huh? Yeah. How does that make you feel, buddy? Anthony, I tell you, I, I, he, he really supports me. I mean, he, he contacted me when we were trying to hire a basketball coach, and he had questions, and even before that, I mean, about this, about that. So he's definitely uh, involved. He's, he just doesn't show up. Favorite part of your game, Tony? Favorite part of your game as a player? Favorite part of your game? Creator. Okay. Yeah. Combo. Getting everybody involved. Everybody involved. Hey, like that guy out in Denver now. What's that guy's name? Yeah, the MVP. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He's that kind of Joker, special, huh? That's something. Yeah. At seven foot He's with handles. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy. And, you know, where do we go from here? I mean, I know that every generation has these generational players, right? We saw Michael Jordan, Kobe, you know, rest of the people. So, you know, where do we go from here? How do you know? What's the next guy going to be? Seven, five with handles and distributing yes, the ball? His, his name is Victor Wembayana. He yeah. was drafted number one overall I, by the I Spurs. I said that because he I was hoping that you, you jump. Yeah, this is really great, though. The game has changed. It is. Yeah. You know, it's a faster pace. All of them changed, though, right? Because it was a time in baseball when if you had a 93-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, it get you to the show. That's true. That's, that's an off-speed Not, pitch yeah, that's now. That's off-speed. You know? So, so yes, everything does evolve. And, and I guess we could leave our our audience with with that impression that as things do evolve, uh, things change. And in this case, we're thinking they're going to change for the better. 
We need that stadium. I think that when we get that stadium, maybe that's going to be the catalyst that's going to bring that enthusiasm back. Of course, winning solves a lot of bills. Yeah, we you, know that. You better hope. Now, no winning season since 2018. No, no, no. We, listen, we're on the precipice, though. We're on the precipice. Yes, 1-11. You're on the Come precipice on. of Come going on. winless. Jason, I'm not going to ring a bell for you on that. You are, you're but on the precipice. As we get to the close of the show, I, I want to go to Joe and then Tony. I'll come back to you. Joe, uh, Joe, is there anything we've left out, anything you would like to say as we... Come to the close. One major thought. Sure. There's no doubt, you look at any university, and they've done plenty of studies at USF, thinking about this, the, the affinity, the love of the university starts with the students and ends with the students when they become alumni. And we've done a miserable job of that. I, I shouldn't say that. It's just the, the fact of how we grew up. That's right. And so... Now we are an AAU university. You know how many there are in the whole, in the whole country? 50. I don't even think there's 50. We're ranked up there with Penn and Harvard and all those schools, right? There was a big jump to get to D1 status. I mean, that's, just... like, that's winning the national championship in academics. Now we're turning to this, and, and, and I feel it. It's going to happen. It's, it's done. And a big part of it is the way... The students are trained to be good, healthy alumni. And, and our, we get a, I give them a C plus. Okay. Because of Room for improvement. How we, how we grew up and a lot of it to do, done because of the political problems. Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I have conversations with former players, even students that uh, I either knew or got to know a little bit during the years, I ask, are you a member of the Alumni Association? I mean, that's, you know, how, how does it start? You know, it starts there. Become a member. Now you have a portal that you can tap into. And if you need to find an accountant or you need to find a lawyer who's a USF grad, you know, things of that nature. Do like they do at the University of Florida. And and it works. Florida State, Miami. (laughs) Absolutely works. You got to build a culture. They want. We're just about to the end of the show, guys. And I just wanted to, listen, personally, from me to you guys, thank you so much for coming in today. And I promise, Tony and Joe, we'll have you back on the show We'll talk maybe at the end of the football season, do a little post-mortem on the season, but also on where we are with the stadium. And, and you know, you've got a friend here down and dirty, so you want to come in anytime and share your thoughts as we go forward. We'd love to have you back in here. Jason, thanks for doing such a great job today and wonderful commentary as well. Okay, brother? Thank you so much. Oh, man, come on. Listen, on behalf of my broadcast partner, who's not here today, John Dingfeller. We miss you, John. Yeah, we miss you, John. Uh, And our engineer, producer, uh, Jason Marlowe. Our phone screener, also part-time producer, Lynn Marvin Dingfeller, who's with John, I'm sure. I'm Mario Nunez, wishing you salute and happy days. We'll be on the lookout for you next week. We'd like to ask you to stay tuned now for The Skinny with Ray Roa, Ben Montgomery, and Mitch Perry coming up next. Have a great weekend, everybody. And again, thanks, Tony. And thanks, Joe, for being with us today.